Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. Speak to us on sacrifice. Sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. Sacrifice, sacrifice. And I don't particularly have a key verse. That's why I have not asked you to stand um, so that we do the key verse together, which is our custom. We stand, we honor the word of God. But I'm not sure. I have all these verses and I'm not sure which one should be my key verse. So, (laughs) amen. But looking through scripture from... the Old Testament into the New Testament, there seems to be a highlight on the subject of sacrifice. I've asked myself, what was the reason for which when God called his people out, he gave so many instructions regarding sacrifice, how to do it, when to do it, different types. What was that about? We went on evangelism once and we met a young man who is struggling to comprehend the God thing or having, you know, issues trying to, you know, get it. And he was like, one of his problems is that when he reads the Bible, he can see that God likes blood matter or in in chi, they'll say mojasem. And so when you read from a certain angle and maybe particularly in the Old Testament, there's so much, you know, of this kind of bring, if you can't bring a, a, this, bring a dove, bring a turtle dove, sacrifice this, the wave offering, the, you know, sin offering. Oh, there are so many layers and so many things that God asked them to do and to go by under the old covenant and then we enter into the New Testament and the major, the thing that the New Testament centers around is another sacrifice. And so it seems like this subject of sacrifice is a huge thing and we must pay attention to it. And so Father, we ask you to help us, bring us into your heart, bring us into your thoughts, bring us into your mind. Cause us, oh God, to understand your heart, your heartbeat. And Lord God, help us to walk in that dimension. And so, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Speak your word through me, O oh God. Lord God, we ready our hearts. Our hearts are ready for you. We are good ground this morning. Your seed will not fall to the side. It will not fall among stones. It will not fall among thorns, but it will fall on good ground and there will be fruit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And so the subject of sacrifice is so big. Amen. The very first offering we see where we don't even see God saying, hey, come and give me. And Cain and Abel, it says, after the passing of time, Cain and Abel come and then they bring their offering. It doesn't say that God told them to bring it. And the very first thing we see them 
bringing a sacrifice, burning something up to the Lord. Amen. And it goes on. We see it goes on to Noah. Noah, after the flood, Bible tells us he erects an altar and he makes a sacrifice to the Lord. And it goes on. Jacob does it. Isaac does it. I mean, it goes on. It keeps going on all the way through. Moses comes on the scene and God begins to give them instructions as to how to do this and do that and bring that. And when this happens, do this as a sacrifice. And when that happens, do that as a sacrifice. And it just looked like it was so much. Hallelujah. And so we come into Genesis chapter 22, which is my focus chapter. And we see God coming to Abraham in Genesis 22 and God telling Abraham, give me. I need you to give me something. I need you to sacrifice to me. And God does not just tell him, go and sacrifice to me. God tells him exactly what he's asking for. God says, I want that son that you waited for how many years? I want that son. And so in the verse 2, it says, and it's on our screen, it says, Then he said, that is God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. It says, And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. And this sounds so horrible in our time today. Hey, this is like, what? But it's, if you think about it, it's no different from one, when God says, oh, I want that space in your time that you find so valuable to yourself. It's no different from when God says, I want your purity. You can't do certain things. As a believer, you're not permitted. You can't sleep with that man. You can't sleep with that woman. No, 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 no. It's the same thing. That thing that looks to you like, oh, I can't live without, when God comes to you and says, that's what I'm asking for. And what we have to understand is that what God sought to do was to establish a principle by which he can relate with man. And so sacrifice is a principle by which God can deal with man. And so what he was doing in the Old Testament was for them to understand that they owed God something. That's what God was doing. He was establishing a pattern. He was establishing an idea, a thought, a principle. That's what God was doing. Because the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. In other words, what happened in the Old Testament is supposed to give us an indication of what the real will be. And even though the old has faded away, it should be consistent with the new. And so we find that this was a principle by which God would deal with man. He would ask you for something. He created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden and said, "Ah, oh, I give you everything, but there seems to always be a but. 
And until we understand that there is a principle of sacrifice by which God deals with us, you may walk the earth and feel like you are entitled to everything and you own nothing and you can do anything. And when it looks like God hasn't come through for you, you can get up and start crying and God did not try and God did not try. Yet when we come to it and when we are looking into the principles, you haven't done your part either. And so God comes to Abraham in Genesis 22 and says, I want your son. <laughs> Get up, give me your son. Take him to this particular place and slaughter your son for me. That's what I want. And when God comes to us oftentimes and God says, oh, I want this in your life. I want 10 to 12 every night of your life. Or I want four to six every day of your life. It's like, oh, God, you know, I come back home, sit in traffic, get home at 10 or 9. I have to do some things. I sleep. God, what time will I wake up? And sometimes we even pretend like, oh, we've not heard. And when we don't pretend like we've not heard, we assume that God understands. But the whole idea of a sacrifice is that it will prick you. It will pain you. It will bother you. That's the point. So in the concept or in the principle of sacrifice, there is no room for, oh, I don't like it. Oh, God understands. No, the reason why he's asking you for it is so that it will, it, it, it's not supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to worry you. That is, that is the whole principle of a sacrifice. And so God comes to Abraham and God tells him, give me your son. The one that you prayed for. The one you waited for, I want that. That's what I, I'm, I'm after. And Bible tells us that <laughs> Abraham, in the verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. It doesn't tell us what struggle Abraham had in the night. I'm sure there was. It doesn't tell us his contemplations, his thoughts. But what it tells us is that in the morning after Abraham had heard this, Abraham got up and he didn't get up late. That is someone who is poised to give what God has asked. It says he woke up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and, two, uh, and, and took Isaac as well, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. It says, then on the third day, so this thing is not even an easy thing to do. This is something that will take you three days journey. And even three days journey, you've not yet gotten to the top of the mountain. Three days journey is when you start to see the top of the mountain. It says on the third day, on that journey, Abraham lifts his eye. And he sees the place where God told him, go and do this sacrifice. He sees it afar off. There was nothing easy about what God asked for. Not the thing that God asked for and not even the process to get it done. There was nothing easy. But it's so intriguing for me, Abraham's commitment to, to this and Abraham's decision and his commitment to fulfill what God had asked him for to the extent that Abraham put aside even those things that could interfere it says he said to the young men that had gone with him his servants he said to them you guys say, stay here I will go and do it with 
my son. Why? Because if I take all of you up there, you won't even let me. You won't, I won't, I can't do it. You won't let me. You will say, ah, how can I kill a human being? You will stand in the way. So Abraham had to cut those people and leave them down there at the foot of the mountain and go up by himself. Whatever it takes, when God demands, we must give. We must give. And so Abraham takes Isaac along and it's interesting. Isaac says, Daddy, I see everything is organized, but I can't see the lamb for slaughter. I can't see the, the sacrifice. And it's the same with us. People may not get it. It may look weird. It may look like, ah, but what you're even going to give to God? You don't have it. God says rejoice in the Lord always, but there's nothing to rejoice about. Yet, it is supposed to be a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So you must rejoice in the Lord, even when there is nothing to rejoice in. You must offer that sacrifice of thanksgiving. Even when there is nothing to thank God for, you must. And it's a bit confusing to people looking at you. They are like, oh. But she doesn't have a child, but she's rejoicing. Hey, see the way she comes and she's dancing in the house of God. Hey, but I thought he doesn't have money like that. Too, but it's like, even when pastor hasn't called, they, they want to do something in church. What's going on with this person? And people will think it, oh, it's not that the wisest. Why don't you? Why don't you pull yourself? Why don't you? Why don't you? But when God asks, all of that should be put aside. The story goes on. Abraham tells him that God will provide. Abraham in his heart knows that, hey, I'm taking my son. But Abraham tells him God will provide. And it's so beautiful because all of this indicates to us that Abraham trusted God above the thing he could see. Beyond what he could see with his eyes, beyond what he was holding in his hands, his confidence was in God. When you go to Hebrews 11, it tells us that Abraham believed that if, it, if God needed to go back and raise up in verse 11, uh, 16 and 17, I believe, of Hebrews 11, it says if God had to, let me cross check that, if God had to go back 17 to 19, not 16, 17 to 19, if God would have to go back and raise up the dead child to him, he believed that God would do it. Let's read this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had, and he had received the promise offered up by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten. Let's continue. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So to Abraham in his mind, in other versions, I think in the King James, it says that in, to Abraham, when he decided, when he heard the voice of God, Isaac was dead to him. In his heart and in his mind, the sacrifice had taken place. So to him, it wasn't just going up on the mountain. He, he, he killed Isaac in his heart. He removed his heart from Isaac and said, it's not mine. 
God, take it, it's yours. Whatever you want, do it. And it tells us that he believed that because God had given him a promise, God, however God will bring that promise to pass, it's up to him. His part is to do what God said. His part is to do that which God told him to do. And so Bible tells us that Abraham indeed took this child, this promise of promises. Isaac was sort of like the first promise that would open up to the other things God has said. God had told him that in you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. God had told him so many things. And Isaac was sort of like the gate to all that. And yet God said, give me Isaac. But in Abraham's hearts, Abraham believed God and said, see, even if it means that, you know, God would have to raise Isaac from the dead, that's up to him. What God wants from me, I must give. And this so pleased God. So in the verse 14, it says, um, and so the verse 12, it says, that And he said, okay, let me take you from verse 11. So it says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to, the, to him. For I know that you fear me. It says, for now I know that you fear me or you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. Hallelujah. So Abraham went, took it and offered it instead of his son. Hallelujah. And after this, God comes back and God affirms and God confirms his promise to Abraham. And so it says, um, after Abraham says, you know, in the mount of the Lord, there shall be provision. And then the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And then he says, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. And have not withheld your son, your only son. He says, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants. As the stars of the heaven and as a sun in which the sun which is on the earth or the seashore, sorry. And your descendants shall possess the gates of your enemies. It says, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It says, so Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and they went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Hallelujah. But the point was that, interestingly, God does not need Isaac for anything. God is not interested in chewing human meat. God is not interested in drinking human blood. God does not need your time because he's God and he created time. God does not need your money. Interestingly, God does not need anything from you. However, he would come and say, give me. 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 God will come and say, give me. And when we come into the place of faith and we release what it is God says, give me, it turns out that he gives it back to you and he adds on to you. It turns out that he doesn't need it for anything. It turns out that, oh, he was just checking. Where's your heart? 
Because the word of God says, he said, now I know. Abraham, he says, now I know. Now I know. Now I know that you fear me. Now I know. In other words, God had come to Abraham and said all these things, but for you to actually lay a hold on the things that God has for you, God will test you. And he will test you with the principle of sacrifice. It is a test. God will test you. God will test you. God will test you. And, 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 and he will test you in a way that you literally have to die. You have to die. Your, your passion, your desire, you have to kill it. And yet God says, I'm not really after it. I just wanted to check. I just want to check. I just want to check. I just want to check. He says, now I know that you fear me. Don't touch the boy. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. He says, now I know that you fear me. Seeing as you did not withhold your son, your only son, what is it that we've been withholding from God? What is it that we've been withholding from God? And the second question I have for you this morning, why is it that you're withholding it from God? And those two questions are for you to answer. But my guess is that you feel like, oh, then it's lost. Yeah, I could do something more with that time. Oh, God, but I don't have money. Oh, God, but you know, sometimes the sacrifice is for you to... Forgive someone, let someone go. Yesterday I was on a, a Zoom um, prayer and worship service and the lady was saying that God required something of her and she had to die to be able to do it because she didn't want to let the person go. She wanted to be angry. She wanted to hate. That is what the flesh wanted. But God required had to let it go. And it meant that she had to die. And she had to go down, humble herself and forgive. And seek reconciliation. What has God asked you for? And my second question, why is it that you have not given it to him? Is it because you don't believe God? Because for some, it is that it, 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 uh, they, love, they love the flesh. I, some people, for some people, they love the fornication. They love it. They love it. They pet their friends, their believers, but they pet their flesh. Is that what it is? Or perhaps you don't have the faith that God who says, give me, is able to care for you and is able to give it back to you and add on to you. But don't forget, it's a test. And in a test, you can either fail it or you can pass it. So if God comes to test you, you want to be that person who passes the test. And when you pass the test, there's always a reward for those who pass the test. The principle of sacrifice is a principle that God himself had to bind himself with. Bible tells us in John 3.16, we know it's Sunday school. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, he gave his only begotten son. He, when you hear the gave, it looks nice until you get to John 18, John 19, and you see how Jesus died. And you go and read 
you know, Matthew 27, and you see how he was beaten, and you go to, you know, Isaiah 53, and you see how he was beaten, he was deformed, then you understand that giving was not, you know, oh, collect. It was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. God himself died. You see the way we read about Abraham, that Abraham, to Abraham, Isaac was dead. He, he surrendered Abraham, Isaac totally and, and had no attachment anymore. He said, it's not my, he's not for me, it's God's. Take it. Even before he killed, even before he would take Isaac up, that was his, that was his processing. That was his mind. It is the same way God had to die in that moment. He had to die. He could not look at his son. He had to tell, He had to cut off his son from him like you don't belong to me. Can you imagine? His only begotten son, he, he himself bound himself with this principle of sacrifice. Why? So that many sons can come to glory. So that you and I, so that he can see the prophet of that seed that goes into the ground and looks like he's dead, yet will come back up again. Will you hold on to that thing and lose the future? Probably lose your heaven or you would let it go. Would you hold on to that thing or you will let it go? So we said sacrifice is a test. And one of the ways that you are able to do what God has asked you for is to have faith in God. Those are two things under the principles of sacrifice. Now, interestingly, we read the Old Testament, all the laws are given, and then by the time we start entering into um, the, the Psalms, from the Psalms going, there seems to be a change in tone regarding sacrifice. And so we go into Isaiah 51 and um, Psalm 51, and David has sinned. David has gone and taken Bathsheba, right? David has gone and taken and has sinned. And the prophet of God has come and rebuked David. And then David goes to pray and then we hear a different tone. So the God that in quotes, somebody says, Suddenly, this God and David are having a dialogue. David is in a deep place, repenting from his sins. And we hear David say something like, Oh, you don't desire sacrifice. If you did, I would have given it. That's what David says. He says, but the sacrifices of God are broken and a contrite spirit that God will not reject. And then you move from there and you enter into Hosea, you enter into Amos and you come all the way to Malachi. You read chapter one. If you re read other verses, the verse 18, other verses, you begin to wonder, ah, but God who spent all that time, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all that time telling people, do the sacrifice like this. You must bring it. The, the priest must collect it. They must do this and this, and then they must slay it, pour the blood. The God, the same God who took us through all that process and told Abraham to go and slay his son, all of a sudden, it looks like the tone of scripture has changed and there is an emphasis on something beyond the act. And now this tone runs through all the way into the New Testament. And, and, and even in the New Testament, God, Jesus is telling the people that, you know, you do all these things, but you are whitewashed tombs. You are not real. In other words, 
the principle that God was trying to establish from the beginning, the reason why he did not accept Cain's sacrifice and he accepted Abel's sacrifice is hidden in this place. In other words, God will require something of you, but if you came and you threw it at him, he will not take it. He reserves the right to say, I don't want yours. Okay, I want this one. Because we've seen him do it. We saw that with Abel, there was a fire that consumed the sacrifice. But with Cain, God said, I don't, it says he turned away from it. It stunk to him. He didn't want it. Why is that so? Because if you brought something to God and he did not have your heart, he does not want it. And so this would line up with what happened in Abraham's case. When God said, give me Isaac, God was not looking for the thing. When God says, give me your money, when if God should speak to you, God is not looking for, will he eat? Or he wants to drink Coke? No, not at all. Or you think that he wants to build his church so he needs you. God can do it through any means and anyhow. After all, when Jesus needed to pay, his taxes, he said, go into the mouth of a fish. Go and take coin. He didn't go and ask anybody. So you think that God is so limited that he will depend on you. Then you can say, oh, I, I will do it at my time. No, it hasn't come to that. And it will never come to that. What God is after always, what he has always been after and that is what broke God's heart. Because God would tell them in Hosea, God would tell them through the prophet Hosea, that you've come, you, you bring all these things, and yet you are so far. You do what you like, yet you are bringing me offering. What should I use the offering for? God will say it through, through, through Malachi, will say the same thing to them. I don't want it. I don't want these things. I don't want the things you burn. They, I don't want it. Why? Because if you brought something to God and your heart is not the sacrifice, God will be looking at this and looking behind the thing you've brought. And so he says to them, if you are coming to the altar and you are bringing your sacrifice and you have an issue with somebody, drop that sacrifice, don't bother. Go back, make peace and then come back and then make the sacrifice to me. Why? If the thing you were bringing was the most important, God will not say that. He will say, okay, you offer it and let's see how we can work it. He says, no, I don't want it. Go and make peace. Then come and give it to me. Then it is an acceptable sacrifice. The principle of sacrifice requires that there must be love. There must be heart back in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, go to verse 3. 1 Corinthians 13 the principle of love in sacrifice, the principle of heart in sacrifice. It says, okay, this is New King James, it's fine. It says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. It says, I have gained nothing. So in other words, giving your body to be burnt on someone's behalf, that is a great sacrifice. If I saw it, Romeo and Juliet, we say, ah, oh, Romeo loved Juliet. That's what we say. <laughs> he says, yeah. <laughs> but you know, God will not just get up and say, Romeo loved Juliet. God will begin to ask, why? Why did you die? And when we stand before him, we would have 
to answer some questions. Why did you die? Why did you give? Run into the altar. Oh, pastor, I want to. What was it about? God will ask us. Because in every sacrifice, the heart must come. And then the sacrifice must follow. When God will ask you for anything, he's looking for your heart. What is the test? The test is not that you can bring the thing. The test is the heart. And that is why Hebrews took time to comment on what Abraham did. He said to Abraham, Isaac was dead. Abraham gave Isaac up and said, see, I don't have any attachment to this. It's not for me. God says he wants it. I've given it. Even before he got to the point. So, if you gave it up, and he says, if you gave it grudgingly, it's not, he's, it's not good enough for him. He doesn't want it. You, you are not the one who takes care of him. So you can keep it. Sacrifice must, the motive must always be love. The, it must always come from a heart. It must always come from a heart. It cannot just be an act. If it is just an act, it's not good enough. And I'm telling you, God rejected it before. He, he rejects it even now. He rejects it even now. He rejects it even now. And many people are asking, hey, what's happening right now? There, the church, there's no power. God is rejecting sacrifices. God is rejecting sacrifices. He says, I don't want that. You want to come and serve in church. You are fighting with somebody. Your heart is a mess. And you think that God should swallow the thing you are offering him. Like, what is channel? He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. If I even give my body to be burnt, there's no profit. God does not reward that. Sacrifice should be something that we as believers have come to terms with. When you start out your journey as a believer, come to terms with it. God will ask you. And if you are not hearing him ask you for anything, there's a problem. God will ask you. God will ask you because it is God's love language. That's the way God determines whether Odome or not. To God, if he requires something from you and you say, no, I must keep it. That means you love that thing. It says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. Then he says you shall have no other God except him, right? It is a way God checks where your heart is. It's the way God deciphers whether, okay, I can trust this person with more. And if, God, if you fail the test, you are not ready. I was telling a friend of mine, I was telling her that, Charlie, the reason I know that the things that God has spoken concerning her will come to pass is there's nothing God has asked her for that she has not given. Through tears, through everything, she will lay it down. And I was telling her, that is my, I'm confident. I am so confident. That is how God checks whether you, you can handle more. God had come to Abraham before this. So God had told him, oh, go. Go out of your father's house. I'll do this. I'll do this. 
Yet God comes back and reenacts the promise based on Abraham's obedience, based on Abraham's love, based on Abraham's faith. God will check out the heart. What was it that disqualified Saul? What was it? He loved the people. He loved the position. And so he could not hallow God. He could not obey. He could not obey. God would tell them on the Sabbath day, don't do anything. And then someone would decide, no, let me go and, and pick sticks. And the person's family is cursed and killed. God said, you must kill the person. Moses, I'm sure he was looking for a way out, had to go back and say, oh God, you know, this is what the person, God said, go and kill the person. Hurry up. Add the family. Yes, he was going to cook. When God says, I will provide for you. He said, no, I got to sort this out myself. God will check our hearts. If there's anything that's important for God, it's your heart. Where is your heart? In anything you do, look, don't be deceived, though. Don't be deceived and don't let anybody pressure you with the things they do. Because beyond the act, God is after a heart. He sat by the treasury in the temple and was checking out who is coming. You've read it, right? Yes. Bible says they were coming. People were giving, dropping their things. Then the widow comes. The widow drops two coins. Bible does not say Jesus came in the church the temple and began to say, oh, this woman, no, he didn't do that. If you read the verse carefully, it says he called his disciples to himself and he began to tell them, Jesus he was telling them that, see, all these people that you see coming, all of them, they have plenty. They are canon or they bring them. It doesn't move anything. It doesn't cost them anything. But this woman, in the eyes of men, she looks like nothing. But she's given all, all that she has. And that's the last point I want to make. In the principle of sacrifice, God does not want some. <laughs> God does not want some. When God comes, God says, give me. God is not looking for some of the thing that he's, he's asking you for all. Because the thing is from him. He's not looking for parts. He's not looking for some. God will come for all and he will come for whole. So in Mark 12, that's the, 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 the story about the, the widow, the widow's might. Jesus makes this statement. He says that she has given all that she has. These people were given, you know, just given. David said, he said, I will not cause, he wanted to buy the field. He said, I will not give God what will not cost me anything. He said, oh, as for you, you're a king. Let's dash to you. He said, no. No, thank you. Keep your dash. I will not cost in, in, in 2 Samuel 24. There's also in, I think it's in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. But he says, I will not. I will not. So this woman who comes, this widow comes. And in the eyes of men, oh, see. I mean, if, if you were the pastor, uh, offering her tithe is not a big deal. You know, maybe you'll be meeting those who bring more. 
But Jesus did kokonsa to his disciples and told them that, see, truly, truly in God's eyes, eh, this woman, her offering is greater than theirs. Why? Because she gave all. God will not take half. God will not ask you to honor him with something. You do it anyhow. And he has to swallow it. No, he's not at your mercy. You can take it. But what happens is that the reward, you're cut off from the reward because there's a reward for every test you pass. And I'm not saying this, I'm, it's not money I'm talking about because there's so many things God comes to ask us for. Sometimes God asks for your time. Sometimes God will ask for consecrating yourself to a certain, you know, walk with him, whether in your Bible study life, your prayer life, in the way you relate to somebody, you know, maybe there are things you don't personally like to do, but God will require of you. I don't like calling people. You can ask them. When they tell me that they are all going out and they are leaving me at home, it's a, it's a feast. It's a celebration. I'm so happy because I'm naturally I like to, like my strong place is being alone. I'm able to think, I'm able, when you put me in the midst of people, give me an hour, I'll be tired. I feel very tired. But then God will start requiring of you, you need to go talk to this person. Oh, go and be nice to this person. I'm like, God, can I send other people who like to talk? I don't feel like talking. I want to, I, I just want to be, like I think well of the people, I pray for you in my room, but I don't need to be nice. I don't want, need, and God says, no, go visit the person. Do something. Oh, go and sit there. I'm like, for what? Sacrifice is not supposed to be sweet to you. It is called the denying of yourself. That is what it is. But if you really love God and if you really believe in him what happens is that you will do it and as you do it you begin to see God's wisdom God's power in that the sacrifice must cost you it must cost you your flesh it must cost you your love your passions your your even sometimes your wants because sometimes you calculate yourself okay this is what I need I need I want um, this is what I have. And yet sometimes God says, oh, even what you need, I apologize. Even what you need, give it to me. That's what he did with Abraham. This is the one thing I've asked you for, sir. I've not asked you for money. I've not asked you for anything. If you bless me with money, it's you now. You are doing your own thing. But I said I want a son. That's one I have asked for. That's one I'm waiting for. And then after a long process with you, I finally get the son. People try to steal my wife. All kinds of things have happened on this journey. And I finally get the son. I even went and I fell in pursuit of this son. I went to take some Hagar. And now you've given me the Isaac. And now you say you want your thing back. How? It will cost you. It will cost you your will. Jesus had to go through that. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. It cost him his will. Jesus was God. He could have said, hey, 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 daddy, not today. We are not dying. He could have said like that. The fact that Jesus had to pray and submit his will meant that he could have done what he wanted. But he said, not my will. It will cost you your will. It will cost you your pride. 
It will cost you your time. It will cost you the things you love. Following Jesus, Jesus came and he began to shake tables. Jesus said, you know, if you are going to follow me, you have to, you know, hate mother and father and hate sister. And, you know, Jesus was shaking tables. What he was saying is, you cannot love any of these above me. And if it means sacrificing that, you should be ready. What did the disciples see? That made them give up themselves and say, yeah, you know, you can kill me. You want to fry me, fry me. Fry me, oil, fry me. What did they see? What, was, what were they looking at? That they would say, oh, you want to crucify me? Oh, yeah, sure, you can crucify me, but I'm not even worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Turn me upside down. I pray for us this morning that we will become aware and be sensitive. Seems like the only thing the body of Christ hears these days, the only thing that we've trained our ears to hear these days is the good. Open door. This, that. But this is the way God works. This is the, every one of us will go through it. You will. And he will test you for the thing that is most difficult for you to give up. But you must be ready. You must be ready to give up anything that will stand between you and him. You must be ready. That is what Christianity looks like. That is the truth. The rest of the things, the top-ups, the things, the blessings, he will do. It's not hard. But you must walk with him at the level he calls you to walk with him. I've been meditating on suffering as a believer. I've been thinking and just going through scripture, suffering as a believer. And it's amazing how suffering is one of the best tools of God for your life. It's effective. It's an amazing tool. It accomplishes so much for God. But are you willing? Or your mind is that you are coming to collect silver and gold are mine. God, I claim it. Man finds a wife, hey, finds a good thing. I claim it. That's what you came to do. All those claims are good. But you must be ready to lay down your life. You must be ready to give up whatever he asks you for. In giving up what he asks you for, you will prove your love. You will prove your faith. And you will pass his test. God will trust you with himself. God will pour out his spirit on you and use you to do great things. Why? Because you trusted him enough to put yourself in the place where, God, you can do anything, you can take anything. I own nothing. There's nothing that I have that is mine. Everything I have is yours. And so, I give it up. I deny myself. I die to self. I die to these wants and these passions. 
can we be like Abraham today? Can we be like our father who for love's sake gave up himself, gave up his only son? Can we say that? I love God so much. So when God said, don't go in this way, I didn't go in that way. Sometimes God even goes ahead of us like God will try to be pulling that thing or that thing becomes, you know, don't, don't, no, don't go in that path. Sacrifice, give me this. And it's almost like God is pulling that thing. We say, no, that's, I'm holding on to what? For what? And you go forward a little bit and you find out that God had better for you. People marry like that. Things will be happening. I said, God wants to tell you that, sister, take, take it easy. And you're like, we are holding. You don't say it with your mouth, but everything you like, your effort to hold on to it and give you a year. Sometimes it doesn't even get to a year and you find out, ew, this is what it was that I was running for and I was compromising for. People give testimonies where God asked them to give something that, that was all they had and they give it and Apparently, God can even do better from you. Imagine if you held on to that. Sacrifice is also another way where God serves the needs of his people. And I pray for us that we will be so sensitive to this voice. We won't pretend like, oh, it shows weak. No, it's a test. There are so many promises that are hanging over our lives, but if we do not begin to walk with God according to the principles that he has set, you will hear the promise and you will not see the manifestation. How terrible is that? If you decide that, oh, as for you, you're just going to do what you like, it's fine, you can. But it keeps you at that place where the promise hangs. We read of Abraham and we look at ourselves today. Galatians says we, we have become, you know, we are Abraham's heirs. The promise of Abraham, here it is. Here it is. We have possessed that one man. Will your children's children be able to say, hey, we are who we are because we had somebody in our lineage who said no. She would lay her life. He would lay her life down for God. No compromise. Will your children have to suffer because you can't seem to just go the way of the Lord. You go and buy problems for everybody. These things that God asks you for, he says, well, we will not do anything. He doesn't need it. It's for you. It's for you. And so this morning, I just want you to just spend a little time just talking to God. Help me to lay down even my life. Because your purposes are bigger than us. God, your agenda is bigger than me, is bigger than, is bigger than me. That is why sometimes someone must sow and sometimes another person must come and water and then God will come and give the increase because God is bigger. 
if David was to say that, oh, because I love God, I'm the one who's going to build a temple for him, then what, what would be the use of Solomon? God says, you've done enough. Go, go and sleep. Same thing he did to Moses. He says, go and sleep. It's, it's enough. I want, can you train Joshua? And Moses is saying, no, I want to go. I want to take the people. I want to see. He says, it's time. Or your pack tools, go. It's time for somebody else. How, can we work with God at his level? Because oftentimes it's not about what you want and why you feel. and yeah, 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 yeah. That's for children. He says, when you are mature, you will stretch out your hand. Another will take you and lead you where you don't want to go. That is what maturity looks like. To be led, to be conformed. To give when he says to me. He, Jesus said of himself, he says, I do what I see my father do. That is what maturity is. Sacrifice is kingdom talk. It's kingdom life. It's part of it. Fathers will know. Mothers will know. You wish you didn't have to carry that burden, but there's nowhere to go. You got to carry it. And what makes you responsible or mature is that you are there carrying that burden. And if we don't get our minds in tune, knowing that we will suffer many things when God called Paul to himself in Acts chapter 9 and he was speaking to Ananias to go and pray over Paul, he said to, he said to Ananias, he says, I will tell him of the many things he has to suffer for my name's sake. I used to think that it's because Paul persecuted the church. No. Apparently all the disciples who didn't persecute the church, they also suffered. So suffering is part of the deal. Comes with it. Did Peter persecute the church? No. Peter was crucified upside down. It turns out that suffering is part of If they didn't tell you here today, suffering, sacrifice is part of the deal. It is. It is. Pray for us, oh God. Help us. Pray for us. I pray for us today. That, Lord God, we will understand that we can't do this walk without sacrifice. We can't just be looking out for miracle, open door, breakthrough, and refuse to give up ourselves and to give ourselves over. Jesus did. Jesus died in Gethsemane in that prayer. Help us to die on our knees. So that anytime you require anything of us, we will give it. Other people are doing it. You can't do it. Yes, sir, I can't do it. Everybody is going. You can't go. Yes, sir, I'm, I'm not going. Can we walk with God that way? Or oh, we've elevated our flesh and our desires and our will above his. And so we say he's God, but he's not really God because we are our own God. We go where we want, we do what we want. Lord, that is not what I want. Have mercy on us, oh God. Bring us into a life of sacrifice. It says, if I give my body to be burnt and I don't do it out of love, if my heart is not right for doing it, if I take a bullet for somebody because of show, if I gave in church because of show, Lord God, that is not what you are after. You are constantly pushing the sacrifice aside, the act aside so that you can see the heart. And on the heart, on the merit of the heart, you reward 
help us to get it right. We spent time this morning just praying for the body of Christ, not just our church, for the body of Christ in this nation and beyond. And we are saying, God, bring us back to the truth. Help us to know that there are many things we must suffer for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to know that this journey is a journey of giving and dying. Dying, doing what may not suit us, yet you require of us. Abraham could have given excuses the place is far. Hey, three days, I'm now seeing the top, I've not gotten there. Oh, my wife will, 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 will kill me. Nobody will understand, but no, he didn't confess. To him, Isaac was dead because God asked for it. Can we come to that place? Can we have faith in God that see, God knows what he's doing. If he requires it, I will give it. I will give it. What's the point of saying your life belongs to God and then going and doing what you want? So technically, your salvation is a fallacy, is falsehood. Because salvation is surrendering one's life to the Lordship of Christ. So if he says, give me, and you say, no, I don't feel like it, where is the salvation? God help us. We lay our lives down. 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 Things as simple as devotional life. People don't, people can't even sacrifice time and attention. We can't put our phones away for an hour. Jesus said to his disciples, you cannot. Can't you, can't you just can't you, can't you just pray with me for just an hour? As simple as one hour. No, we have to now be checking Facebook alongside the praying time. How will God speak to you? I have to now be answering your WhatsApp in that time. Do you, do you get how far we are from sacrifice? That is how far we are from sacrifice. God cannot even get one hour of your time. Sunday morning, 9 to 12, you can't give him. In a week, 7 days, 24 hours in each day. You cannot even give him 3 hours on a Sunday morning. Do you know how far we are from sacrifice? God have Thank you for listening to today's message. We're sure you were blessed. Let's get interactive also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ICGC Revival Temple. Connect with Pastor Jennifer on YouTube and all her other social media handles. God bless you.